Fantasy basketball managers, did you just pull off the trade of this century? Just as you start celebrating, right? You get an alert on your phone and you find out your trade has been vetoed. In this episode, my special guest is going to break down the ins and outs of fantasy basketball trades. Welcome to the Believe in Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The weekly show dedicated to helping fantasy managers like you dominate your league. Now, our special guest, Zach Henshew from NBC Sports, and your host, Robin Marks. We believe every NBA fan who plays fantasy football should also play fantasy basketball. It's a Texas showdown in the postseason, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your baseball wagering info with up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on statistics, news, and odds. We have everything you need to stay up to speed on each LCS all the way through the World Series. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to get in on the action. Don't forget, use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. For five years, our guest has worked in the fantasy sports industry. He's worked at Fantasy Pros, Rotowire, and now he's with NBC Sports fantasy basketball fanatics. I want to introduce to you my main man, my friend, Zach Hanshu. Zach, what's good? My man, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, brother. Oh, man, you know I appreciate you, my brother. Let's jump right on in, man. So I talked at the beginning about people getting their trades vetoed. Like, how should fantasy managers manage vetoes from both sides, from a commissioner standpoint, but also as a fantasy manager, especially if I'm new to fantasy, I'm hyped up. I just executed a trade and then I get shut down. How do, how should people focus, uh, you know, approach this, this season? Yeah. I, I mean, so ideally, man, you're, you're playing with a group of people that they self govern, right? Like everybody kind of operates on the honor system. Nobody is colluding with one another. Nobody is is sending over ridiculous trade offers that are completely lopsided. Um, and in those situations, you don't have vetoes, uh, you know, because if it's me, you know, if I'm pulling off a trade, like you just mentioned, if I get the guy that I've really been targeting for so long, I want to have him right now. I don't want to wait two or three days for the league to review the trade and potentially veto it if somebody gets pissed off or the commissioner steps in for some, you know, some reason uh, that's out of my control. So ideally, you're playing with some people that, you know, make it easy on you and, and you don't even have a veto process. Uh, I, I'm completely against vetoes uh, unless it's something just absolutely ridiculous. And and hopefully you don't play in a league like that. Yep. and. For the actual commissioners, right? So especially in category leagues, right? My interpretation of something that's a fair trade might be different than someone else based on the build of my team, right? Especially if you're going by rank. And someone could be like, well, look, uh, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. is here and Giannis is here. Like, you know, I don't think it's fair 
and and you're saying, hey, this is my bill. This is what I want for my team. How, how do commissioners manage that? Yeah, man. And, and again, this all goes back to, you know, playing with the right group of people. Uh, you know, if people understand in a categories league, exactly as you mentioned, Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, he was a, a fantasy first rounder last season, but that was in large part due to his ridiculous block rate. Uh, and, and some teams, you know, if you're set at blocks already, you don't value Triple J quite as high as somebody that might be struggling in that category. Um, so, yeah, fairness is in the eye of the beholder uh, when it comes to trades. Uh, and as a commissioner, I, I mean, you really have to let your managers uh, manage their own teams. We're all grownups at this point. If you're playing in a fantasy league, you're a grownup. Uh, you don't need to be told by a commissioner, hey, this trade is fair or not fair. Love it. So let's talk about actually sending out trades. Should fantasy managers send out a bunch of offers all at once? You know, they're trying to move that Jaron Jackson Jr. or whoever the player is they're trying to move. Or should they focus on one trade partner at a time and then just a layer deeper when they communicate? Do you recommend like them maybe nudging them in the chat first or just send out the offers? What would be best practices for that process? Yeah, I mean, for the first part of it, I think it's fine to send out a bunch of offers all at once. Um, you know, if you're managing that correctly, if you don't have a ton of player overlap, like if you're really trying to move Triple J and you're sending out 10 offers for him at once, um, I, I think that gets a little too much. Um, but in terms of the second part of that, yeah, I always appreciate when somebody shoots me a message first. Uh, about a trade. I mean, it's fine getting that trade, you know, just, Hey, I got a notification. Wow. Somebody sent me a trade offer. Uh, but I really like to discuss that with the other guy first. I love that too. It, it, it kind of adds, you know, it, it adds to the experience too. Right. So it's like, you know, when you're negotiating something, you don't just like send someone a proposal in the mail. Like you like, Hey, let's connect first. Let's meet, let's talk about it. So I think it adds another layer. It adds another layer to the experience. So that's, I love that you said that. Uh, so what are some mistakes that fantasy basketball managers are making when they start these trade negotiations with other managers? Yeah, man, I, I think we just touched on it. Um, I, I really think, like you said, there's a connection, there's a human aspect to it. When you when you shoot somebody a chat or a text message, you know, if you're playing with guys that you're you know you're friends with for a long time, you probably have their their cell phone number. Shoot them a text, give them a call, um, you know, however you want to communicate with them. Uh, I think sending that trade offer out of the blue. Um, to me, it is it kind of makes the trade a little less appealing to me uh, than when I'm actually chatting with somebody. So I, I think that's kind of that that's the first mistake right off the bat. Um, I, I think the next one is uh, people that want to send out multiple players for one, like a two or a three for one. Um, that always that always ends up just really turning me off when I get a trade offer like that because most of the time it's it's bench trash for one of my studs. Um, and that never goes anywhere. Um, that's not even a that's a non-starter for me. That's not a low ball offer. That's not a in the ballpark offer. That's just hey, this is this is a garbage offer. I'm, I can't even take you seriously at this point. Um, so when I get some sort of unfair trade like that, I, I'm immediately like I'm not doing business with you. And talk to me about um, you know we talked about throwing two for ones and three for ones. What a, what ways can we entice people? to take the offer 
what kind of strategies can they use? Because one thing that I do is I I might throw a late round guy in with the stud, right? So if it's like, let's say we're doing a straight up trade, like I want Luca for Jokic. The Jokic owner's like, I'm not going to do that. So I'll be like, all right, so I'll throw in, you know, Wendell Carter Jr. and so on. Talk to me about that if you're trying to entice someone to what what would move them over the edge if you have an even off a, a balanced offer what would push them over the edge? No man, I, I think you hit it you know right on the head on that one. Um, I think if you want your guy and you're the one proposing the trade, you've got to overpay a little bit. Uh, now that doesn't mean yeah for Jokic that doesn't mean you're sending Embiid and SGA necessarily. That means you're sending Embiid and then you're tacking on like you said a late round guy. Uh, maybe a flyer, maybe a future pick if you do that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, if, if you're the one proposing the trade, if you really want your guy, add a little bit extra, add a little bit of a sweetener to that deal uh, to get somebody going. Um, you know, it's not always about getting the exact one-for-one -one market value. Somebody's going to end up, you know, quote-unquote overpaying. Somebody's going to underpay a little bit. Um, as long as you're both happy in the long run, I, I think that's all that matters. Very nice. I love that you said add some sweetener to that deal <laughs> and and overpay because overpaying is something like we're allergic to it. Right. So everybody wants to win the trade. Most people don't go into it. Let's just have a fair trade. Somebody's always trying to get over somebody. I think yeah. when, once people could embrace that, like, all right, let's find a situation. We had no on. And he said something really good. He said, Find a, a situation that works for both parties, that helps both teams. Everybody can win. Somebody's going to win a little bit more than less based on what they need or what the league landscape looks like. But at the end of the day, just make sure that everyone get, gets to eat something. You know what I'm saying? Um, and on the other side of that coin, talk to me about horror stories or any mistakes you've seen or experienced or lessons learned from a bad trade <laughs> scenario. You know, fortunately, I've played most of the time with guys that are that are really good about doing these trades. They don't make things too personal. Um, you, know, you know, they don't pester me all the time uh, and, and send out these terrible deals. But I have I have played with a few that have have sent terrible trade offers, as I mentioned above. Um, the biggest the biggest, uh, you know, horror stories or mistakes really for me. Uh, is not keeping it friendly, man. I, I mean, th at the end of the day, yes, you want to win. Yes, you want to be competitive. But man, this is this is fantasy sports right here. This is this is all about having fun. And when you're getting these trade offers from people, and you know, hey, the deal doesn't work out. We've talked about it. We negotiated, and neither of us can find you know that in between ground that we you know that we want to make that deal. Uh, you know, some people some people tend to get pissed off about that. Uh, and and not realize that hey we're we're managing players on a fake roster for a game that is completely you know about fun the name is fantasy um, so I've had that happen several times before um, the other thing too that I, I really really hate uh, is you know you send a trade offer out to somebody they don't respond and again it's on you as the manager to cancel that trade after so long but let's say you send a an offer out to somebody they let it sit there in limbo for you know weeks at a time and then all of a sudden somebody that you're requesting from them that you're trying to get all of a sudden they're injured or their role has diminished or they've been benched or whatever the case is and then they all of a sudden accept that trade offer 
Um, and, and at that point, they fleeced you. Um, and then flipping the coin on that, you know, somebody agrees to a trade and then the player that they're trying to get, uh, you know, if, if you're waiting for two or three days for that veto process or for that trade to go through in your specific league, somebody gets injured in the meantime and they all of a sudden want to cancel that deal. Uh, when it was agreed upon before anybody knew, you know, what was happening, it was completely fair at the time. Uh, so I think in, in both of those scenarios, uh, you really just have to look at at being fair, whether or not you win or lose on that deal. Uh, you know, you've got to be fair about that deal. And, and those are the kind of things that I think can really they can really break up a league, man. People can really take this stuff personally and get upset by that. Yeah, we had a and, and you know, I've been playing for about seven years and, and early on in one of my leagues. And, and a couple of my leagues are the same guys. Maybe we have some replacements and stuff like that. Uh, and one of my guys, he made an offer that was a little like, like, why would you do that? But the guy who initiated the, the offer gave, got the worst end of the deal. Mm. So we were like, okay, the other manager accepted it. It is what it is. That's what he wants. The guy comes back the next day, Zach. He says, Nah, that was my cousin. That was my little cousin. My little, my little cousin took my phone and sent you Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, for like, you know, Giannis or whatever it was, right? It was a crazy trade. So I guess my question is, if some, if, if one of the league managers in a trade that was executed, like it went through, got approved um, really fast, you know, we have a manager that reacts, uh, a, a commissioner that reacts fast. So let's say they they approved it that night. The next morning, they wake up like, wait a minute, that was a mistake. If both league managers or even one of the league managers, I mean, sorry, team manager says, hey, like, that was a mistake. I don't want that trade anymore. Where do you stand with that? If someone is like, let's reverse the trade. That was a mistake. I don't like it. I And so... I think this all goes back to what we talked about at the beginning about knowing your league, playing with the right group of guys, uh, because I had this very early on in, in a league that I was playing in where I had sent a trade offer um, and the guy wasn't very tech savvy and he hit accept. And I said, all right, awesome. And he texted me, you know, literally right away and said, hey, I meant to hit decline. I didn't mean to hit accept, uh, you know, totally my fault. You know, can we please ask that this be reversed? And I knew the guy, knew he wasn't tech savvy, knew he wasn't great on the Yahoo app. And, and so we reversed the trade. I mean, so this is, again, because I knew he wasn't, he wasn't bullshitting around with me. You know, if you play with the right group of people um, and he hit me up right away, I, I mean, there's no reason to, uh, you know, there's no reason to destroy a friendship or piss people off over a fantasy trade, right? Like I, I was happy to get that trade. I was the one that initiated it. But if he didn't want it, I don't want to win on the technicality and I don't want to pull a trade over on somebody that didn't want to do it. And in terms of these, uh, these, these best practices and these concepts, would they work for fantasy football as well? Absolutely, man. Um, if you're talking about fantasy of any kind, um, you know, these are the type of trade practices because I play fantasy football. These are the type of trade practices that I go about in, you know, in any league that I play in. Um, I do think it's a little bit different for fantasy hoops um, just because of the different scoring, the points versus categories. 
uh, if you're playing Roto versus head-to-head, if you're playing in a dynasty league, um, you know, all those things kind of can impact how you view a trade uh, and how maybe some people, you know, with the Triple J example we talked about, how some people might feel a trade is is fair or balanced, um, you know, when it's really just based on the team. Uh, but in fantasy football, the same tenets hold true, right? I mean, don't take it personal. Um, you know, it's all about fun. Uh, don't be bugging people too much about trades. Don't take it too personal. Be friendly. Throw that human element out there uh, and, and just learn to negotiate with your with your league mates. So I, I think all those basic tenets hold true no matter where you're playing. So you t- you mentioned dynasty there. And I know we have some folks who are in some dynasty leagues. How do you balance immediate gains versus long term potential? when considering trade offers in dynasty basketball. Yeah, man. So uh, this all goes to what is your team doing right now? So if you're a competitive team, if you're trying to win it right now, um, obviously you want to take those immediate gains. So you can sacrifice, you know, we talked about value one for one, uh, trying to fleece somebody, trying to win or lose a trade. Uh, but in a dynasty league, that that script can be completely flipped, right? So if you're trying to win right now um, and you're trying to make a trade offer with somebody that's rebuilding, um, it, you know, in any other league trading, you know, trading like an SGA for, I don't know, let's say you want to trade like a, a Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp and, I don't know, throw out another young, young guy in that trade offer, uh, you know, in a redraft league, that, that offer is going to be completely lopsided. The SGA manager is going to win out 100%. Uh, but if we're talking about in a dynasty league, uh, you know, somebody that's competing now might want to take that player that's going to get them immediate gains and send out young players that in three or four years uh, are going to be absolutely balling and could be first rounders themselves. Um, so it all depends on where your team is, what your timeline is, uh, and, and what you're trying to accomplish. Very nice. So I know folks who um, watch fantasy basketball content at this time of the year really, really want some nuggets in terms of draft suggestions and targets. Right. So I want to just shift gears, if that's okay. I want to talk about some players for this draft season that fantasy managers should target in their drafts. Zach, give them the jewels. This is where they get their pen and papers. They pull out their notes app and they jot it down. Who do you think folks should be targeting this season in their fantasy drafts? Yeah, man, I've got a few. Um, Anthony Edwards is is my first one. Um, I, I really think he's uh, he's going to take that next step this season. Uh, he's been a top forty, you know, per game guy the last couple of seasons. Uh, we saw what he did in the playoffs. Uh, you know, Minnesota exited in the first round, but he was just phenomenal. Uh, we saw what he could do as a leader for Team USA over the summer. Uh, you know, just his combination of scoring, his ability to rebound and assist, and then rack up, you know, valuable defensive stats uh, from a guy that plays on the wing, I think is is incredibly valuable. Uh, we're just really waiting for him to take that next step in terms of efficiency with the percentages uh, that can really boost him up. Uh, into that first and second round stratosphere. So I think he gets there this season. Uh, Obviously, his ADP has ballooned uh, from last year to this year. 
you know, because of some of those things that I mentioned, you know, his recent performances. Uh, but I think he can live up to the hype. I, I'm really high on Edwards this season uh, as a top 15 player. Um, so that would be my first one. Um, I, I'm really expecting Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes to take big, uh, you know, big leaps here this season. Uh, I think Barnes with Van Vliet out of town can really kind of take on that point Scotty role. Um, you know, and really start to evolve as a passer as we saw him do at times, you know, throughout last season. And I think Mobley has continued to improve as a scorer, as a rebounder, and as a shot blocker. Uh, and in Cleveland, he's going to thrive for an, another season uh, and take that, take it up to the next level. Um, if we're looking, uh, we're looking further east here. This is uh, I'm in the D.C. area, so I, I'm really excited for Jordan Poole to be here. I know the team is, uh, you know, rebuilding completely, but I think we could have the league's leading scorer on our team this season. I think Jordan Poole really goes out there uh, and shows people that he's not a bust. Uh, he didn't fall off last season. There was you know turmoil in the locker room. Uh, he saw his workload decrease. He saw his efficiency drop. Uh, but the narrative that this guy is a complete bum or is washed, I think that that is getting pushed around way too much. It's not fair. Uh, and I think we go out and see uh, a tremendous fantasy season uh, from him this year. Um, and I'll throw one more name out here. Um, after this trade, I think his his ADP, his stock may, may be down a good bit. But I am super high on Robert Williams. Uh, I was very high on him before the season or before the trade to Portland. Uh, and I'm even higher on him now. I actually think that this this move is good for him. Uh, you know, I know with Aiton there, you know, maybe that takes some shine away from him. Uh, but, you know, he was going to be competing with Chris Stapps Porzingis, Jason Tatum, Al Horford in Boston's front court. And I think with with less competition in Portland, uh, the potential for maybe Portland to go double big and play some minutes with Aiton and Robert Williams together. Uh, I, I think that boosts his value, actually. Uh, I have him as a top 50 per game guy this season, and you can get him closer to pick 100 in your drafts. Uh, so he's a guy that I'm looking for everywhere, uh, especially as one of those late round centers uh, that can give you uh, rebounds, elite field goal percentage and uh, high volume of shot blocking. Very dope. So there you have it. Those are some folks that will help you win your league this year if you target them. Let's talk about some people to stay away from now. Like, who are those guys that you are fading in drafts, or at least at their current ADP, some players that you're staying away from? Yeah, I think right off the bat, uh, and I, I'm sure this isn't a, a hot take, but I, I'm staying far away from James Harden at this point. Um, you know, I, I think we obviously know that, you know, what he can be, he can be easily a first or second round fantasy option. Uh but, but who knows what he's going to do this season? Obviously, uh, Skip Media Day yesterday, got the fine. Uh, we're not sure when he's going to show up or if he's going to show up to the Sixers. Uh, apparently, if he does, he's going to make life, you know, quote, unquote, painful for the team. Um, so you've really got to wonder about, one, what the chemistry is going to be in the locker room for him. Uh, two, what kind of shape he's going to be in. Uh, and three, does he end up getting moved midseason? Does he sit out? Uh, you know, what ends up happening with him. Um, I, I think if you can get him in the third or fourth round, I, I think that's 
you know, people will look at that as a, wow, that's tremendous value. I've got to take him there. It's a no brainer. Um, but with every day that he misses time and continues to be away from the team, uh, I think that just makes him riskier and riskier. So he's a guy that I'm avoiding. Uh, Kevin Durant, uh, obviously an easy fantasy first rounder most seasons. Uh, but with Bradley Beal now on the team, uh, you know, with the team getting a little bit deeper, him getting another season older, his tendency to miss games. Uh, he's not a guy that I'm going to go after in the first or second round of fantasy drafts. Um, you know, his his risk of missing, missing games, uh, maybe a decreased workload with Bradley Beal in the fold. Um, to me, it's just not worth it. Uh, Zion Williamson, again, for injury reasons, for availability, uh, staying far away from him. Uh, and if we're just talking ADP, uh, some guys that I'm staying away from, Brooke Lopez uh, last season was a complete outlier for him. I, I don't think there's any way he gets even close to value that he put up last season. Uh, so his ADP is is way up for 2023, and, and I just don't think he can, he can live up to that. Uh, same thing with Mikhail Bridges. Uh, love what he did in Brooklyn. Uh, love his potential. Uh, but a full season of that, uh, I'm not entirely sure. And I, I don't think he gets into the second round, you know, where he's being drafted right now. Uh, so based on ADP, he's a little too rich for my blood. Uh, and, and Victor Wimbanyama for the same reason. Uh, I think people go nuts over him. I think he's fun. If you want to get him, uh, you got to take him in the top 25, top 30. Uh, and, and I'm just not sure as a rookie he can live up to that. Uh, to that hype. Uh, I'd much rather have uh, Chet Holmgren, who has a skim similar skill set, uh, but you can get him a round or two later. Yeah, I'm I'm super, super high on Chet this year. I, I love him. And Victor, like in the mock drafts, it's been out of control. Right. Like I've seen him go at the bottom of the first, top of the second. And for me, it's like, you know, you never know. Right. So they, it, it might work out for him. But for me, San Antonio, first year, you know what I mean? Rookie player, it, it's just a little too risky for me. Zach, we do have a question from George here. George says, what should I look to swap second round pick for? What should I swap my second round pick for? Or should I just take Embiid? What do you think? Do you think he should consider trading his, his second pick? Or should he just draft Embiid, it looks like? So Embiid, to me, Embiid is fantasy's top player this season. I have him just a little over Jokic, and, and I think probably most people have have them as one A and one B in whatever order. You know, if you pick Jokic or Embiid first or second, um, I don't. I think there's a clear argument for both. Uh, so with that second pick, I, I'm hanging on to that and I'm taking Embiid. Yeah, I'm not looking to move that pick. Very nice, very nice. Well, Zach, we got a bunch of folks who are new to fantasy, but also there's a, a piece of the community that are interested in getting into this work, getting into this field. So if you're okay with it, I'd like to share a little bit about your story. How'd you get into fantasy sports media, maybe what you were doing before then, and any advice you would have to folks that are interested in pursuing the same path? Yeah, man. So I had been... Um... You know, I've, I've been playing fantasy football for um, <clears throat> for many years. Um, and so me and a couple of buddies, uh, we were doing these weekly podcasts, um, you know, just 
in my basement here, just kind of screwing around and, you know, talking shit on our league mates, um, you know, recapping the week, um, you know, before the season started, we would throw out some sleeper picks, some busts, that kind of, you know, just it, you know, the usual stuff that fantasy people would talk about. Um, and we were just distributing this to the 10 or 12 guys that we played with and saying, Hey, take a look at this. You know, we're just having fun with it. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll you know, try my hand at writing. Uh, it's something that I wanted to get into. Um, so early in 2018, I sent uh, some samples over to Fantasy Pros. I applied with them, uh, got turned down, uh, went back to the drawing board, uh, started a, a really crappy WordPress site, um, you know, where I was uh, just writing articles, uh, you know, once or twice a week and uh, built up enough of uh, a site, enough of a portfolio, I guess you could say, sent it back over to them over the summer. Uh, and they said, yeah, we'll take you on uh, to do maybe one article a week, um, you know, not paid, of course, uh, you're just going to do it for free. And so I, I got on with them doing an article a week. Um, they had an opening to do start doing some waiver wire pickups, <clears throat> excuse me. And so I jumped on that opportunity when it presented itself um, and started uh, just started taking on more and more with them. Uh, and eventually uh, got to the point where I was getting paid per article. Um, you know, that winter, uh, I was able to get on doing some fantasy hoops with them. Uh, I was also able to join up with RotoWire. Uh, shout out to Nick Whalen and Alex Barutha for taking me on there. Uh, I started doing notes with them, covering the NBA, uh, which I loved. Um, and then for the next three years, uh, I did football and basketball for both sites. Um, and then the opportunity, uh, was available at NBC. I applied there, um, and shout out to Ryan Naus and, uh, and doc Steve Alexander for taking a chance on me with NBC. Uh, Noah and I got hired, uh, you know, you mentioned Noah Rubin at the beginning of the show. We, uh, we got hired at the same time and, and we've been over there for almost two years to be two years here in November, um, so that's kind of my journey here in the fantasy sports space. Um, you know, I, I do stuff with NBC now. I also do um, sports betting. Um, so I do that for uh, Sportsbook Review. Uh, they're a company out of Canada. Uh, their uh, editor, James Basson, was a guy that was the uh, content manager at Fantasy Pros for a long time. So I was able to join back up with him. Uh, and I do picks with them now as well. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at. That's where I've been. Uh, I've had the the pleasure to work with a ton of great people in this space and, uh, you know, work, work with some awesome companies. Very dope. And, you know, one thing I would say, Zach, for me being relatively new to this space is that you've always been so accommodating, man. And that's something that I think people who are new or trying to get into this space don't realize, especially in fantasy basketball. Um, I think fantasy football maybe is a little harder because it's a little it's a it's a little bigger. Um, I think your uh, having your foot in both of those worlds in football and in basketball, and then just kind of opening your doors. You know, you've always like shared opportunities with me and and just been so helpful in terms of just offering guidance and suggestions. So I'm grateful for you, brother, like sincerely, man, having me on your show. I know you have a, a huge platform because you work with NBC for an independent guy like me to have that kind of um, accommodating and welcoming 
you know, connection here in this space is just like a blessing. So I, I just wanted to give you some flowers and let you know I'm grateful for you, man. I appreciate you, man. Um, yeah. And, and it, as you said, man, foot in both of those worlds uh, with fantasy football, with fantasy basketball, um, for fantasy football, I'm not sure how much you keep up with that uh, with that side of the table on Twitter or otherwise, but I, it's pretty cutthroat, man. It, it seems like a lot of people over there are really just trying to get one up on one another, uh, and that's not everybody. I work with some amazing people doing fantasy football, but uh, a lot of it is, you know, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm better than you, this is what I'm doing. Uh, I never, I have never seen that in the fantasy basketball space. Um, I, I sincerely appreciate the kind words. Um, but man, I, I'll tell you what, there are so many people that are, are welcoming, that are accommodating, that are helpful, uh, that want to lift each other up in the fantasy basketball space. And I didn't see that <laughs> too often with fantasy football. So, um, you know, it might be a cliche thing to say, but man, it's a great community uh, in the fantasy basketball world. Everybody is about having fun. Uh, everybody's about lifting up one another. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely great to be covering that. Yep, yep. And you do a great job of it, sir. So speaking of doing a great job, talk to the folks about uh, your show, where they can find you, maybe your social media handles if they wanted to get in contact with you. Yeah, man. So you can find me on Twitter at Zach the Monster. Uh, for NBC, uh, we just dropped the um, the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Draft Guide. Uh, me, Noah, and Raphael Johnson, our fearless leader, uh, we uh, spent the summer uh, writing up player notes for 300 players. Um, uh, I handled the projections for the most part, just dropped a fresh batch of those last night, uh, you know, after the holiday and, uh, and Dane trades over the last week. Um, Noah is heading up all the dynasty content, uh, you know, of which he does an awesome job. And of course, Raf, uh, he, he, I, I call him the robot just because he, he's automatic, man. He knows his stuff. He gets his stuff out quickly. Uh, he's just a machine when it comes to fantasy hoops. So we, we just put out the draft guide, um, and we're making plans now for, um, you know, in season content. Um, you mentioned last season, uh, you know, I brought you on the uh, the weekly Q&A, which was awesome. Uh, we're going to bring you back again this year uh, if you'd like to come on. Um, we're going to switch it up now. We'll be doing it every Friday, and uh, Noah and I will be co-hosting it this year. So uh, I think it's going to be a blast having him on there uh, and doing that show together. So uh, really looking forward to this season. Very, very dope. Man, I'm looking forward to coming back on the show, Zach. I can't wait. Uh, so, Zach, you sit tight for me. Again, thank you so much for pulling up to the Believe in Fantasy Basketball podcast. We are grateful for you, man. Yes, sir. Wow. Talk about value, right? So if you're sitting there trying to make trades, now you can refer to this piece of content and be like, look at what Zach said. This is what we should be doing, right? So make sure that you pull this up if you ever have any issues with your basketball trades. And now that you know the ins and outs of fantasy basketball trades, check out our episode about fantasy basketball draft strategies. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Believe in Fantasy Basketball podcast with Robin Marks. Join our free Discord community at believeinfantasy.com. 
And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Believe in Fantasy. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts.